Welcome to Sex Talk Radio, a podcast that explores sex and kink through candid and curious conversation. Join me and expert guests in unpacking taboos and making sex talk more fun. Today's episode of Sex Talk Radio is sponsored by the HUD app. HUD is changing the face of casual dating by offering an alternative and empowered approach to commitment-free dating. Go to hudapp.com slash sextalk, that's H-U-D-A-P-P dot com slash S-E-G-G-S talk for a week on me. A quick note, the HUD app is available on both iOS and Android and is available to users 18 and over. Hi, Tommy. How you doing? Hi, I'm good. <laughs> Welcome to Austin. Thank you. How are you liking it so far? Um, I'm really liking it. It's really quiet. Um, I haven't been here that long yet. I just landed last night. Yeah. And it hasn't even been a full like 24 hours yet, but love my hotel, um, <laughs> love like how big everything is, like everything just more spread out. Yes. It took me like 15 minutes to get from my gate D1 to D18, like walking. I was like, this is insane. <laughs> so you're coming in from New York, right? Um, er- I'm coming in from Denver, actually, but okay. I, uh, I primarily am based out of New York. I've been traveling okay. so much, though. I've only been in New York this month for seven days wow yeah what have you been been for you know (laughs) have you been traveling for work mostly um this month i have been traveling for work mostly yeah yeah and for the day job or want to tell me a little bit about what you do yeah so um i i'm a pro dom i've been a pro dom since 2019 and prior to that i've been a lifestyle kinkster general perverted person (laughs) and um i also um when i was starting pro doming i you know had a day job and i still do consulting for a um on a ongoing basis i like to keep both together definitely Mm -hmm. so the traveling you've been doing has been for pro dom work yes it's been uh been for pro dom work uh denver was half um, I was speaking at a training, actually. Oh, what kind of training? Uh, it was an anti-trafficking training. Mm. So I was there for like one uh, training to uh, giving a training. Yeah. And then the rest of it has been yeah, being my usual debaucherous self. <laughs> <laughs> and so are you finding clients around the U.S. or they're finding you and they're flying you and paying you to come out? Or how do you kind of plan those trips, I guess, with all the travel? Yeah, so... Um, it really depends. So I used to do more structured tours. This mm. month, though, there's just a lot of activities. Uh, I was in Canada last week, actually. That was a client <laughs> flying me out for um, a day. Uh, I ended wow. up staying two days, though. Um, and I was in Amsterdam for Expiz, but there were subs there. Yeah. London was for a client. There were subs there? In Amsterdam, yes. Yeah. yes. You have ongoing subs? They were new because I've never been to Amsterdam. Okay, Mm -hmm. I see. Yeah. And yeah, so there's just uh, subs here and there (laughs) everywhere. And I kind of flit around depending on how my schedule meshes together. I love how you're kind of like, I don't know, I love that you get to explore and travel and monetize and like make it work and play. And it sounds amazing. Time of my life. (laughs) I have a time of my life. Yeah. Um, I would love for you to, I kind of like to go through my li- my guest's life, basically, um, and kind of weave together different things that happen in their life and how, how you came here and mm-hmm. what you're creating now. Um, do you want to tell me a little bit about how you grew up and where you grew up and, and when you started exploring kink and... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Jump in. Um, I grew up in Taiwan and uh, moved to the U.S. when I was... Uh, a little bit younger, and I feel like I've always been generally kinky. Like <laughs> I, I, I tell this, I've told this story a few times before. But yeah. my first turn on was that scene in The Matrix where he was like on his back and the metal um, bug Ooh. was going to his belly button. Oh, my memory of that oh. clip, yeah, was when I was still in Taiwan. So I must have been like younger than eight. Uh huh. And that and was, it was erotic f- for you. It was. Yeah. I think it was the penetrative act. Mm-hmm. And there's also another movie that I, or it's a drama that I watched in Taiwan. Um, don't remember the plot. Don't remember where this is from. But there's like a tornado inside a living room. Uh-huh. And like a piece of wood flies out of a tornado and like hits a woman in the forehead. And she dies. Wow. And that 
also was a memory that was sort of like erotic for me at a pretty sure. young age. So impact. <laughs> impact, I think um, forms of like sadism yeah sadism like non-consensual penetration a little bit that's mm. at a pretty young age has always been wow. there yeah um, the, the more guests i talk to i think that there's something inherently taboo about like bringing up arousal in childhood but every almost every guest i talk to is like yeah like that was that was relevant for me like these specific turn-ons and experiences and rubbing against stuff and it's like it all started at a very young age. People just don't talk about it necessarily. Yeah, I don't think it was... I, at the time, I don't know if it was erotic in the sense that I fully understand now. I right. think it was... It, I, I think it implanted itself in me and has been sort of like recurring. Um, but in ero I, it wasn't erotic in the sense I was like touching myself or like right. exploring it. But now in retrospect, we look back. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know either when I was like <laughs> humping the noodle in the swimming pool. But was like, that your start? Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> when I discovered the clit. Um, but like now in retrospect, I'm like, oh, that's what hap was happening but uh -huh. at the time. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting to talk to different guests and they're like, yeah, I now realize that I was exploring these things at a very young age, prepubescent yeah. age, basically. Yeah, and I... Um, didn't really uh, explore kink or BDSM in a physical way really until college. Um, and in college was when I started um, going out of my way to go to munches. Like I, for in a college, while, wow. Yeah. You're for ahead of the game. For a while, I was talking to like anonymous people on um, different apps to talk mm. about kink and BDSM not even sexting I was just so curious, curious about it and I want to hear about different people's stories and yeah. meet people from around the world and hear like why are you into this and I think I've always just had a like curiosity and like fascination about kink and really getting to see a people a, a person through that yes yes I love trying to understand like the psychology of it why people like the things they like what turns them on what provides them like surrender and relief it's just like a really unique way to connect with someone yeah um i'm sure you can relate to it <laughs> yes yes um i find dating like kink forward i'll call it so on apps or when it's just all up front i feel like the connection is so much deeper than holding off and waiting to explore that part of each other later not necessarily sleeping with each other right away but just like I really like to ask questions and explore what mm -hmm. people's kinks and desires are. Um, so what was the first kind of event you went to or the first in real life um, experience? The first in real life experience um, was probably in um, like physically. Yeah, I mean... The first time you went to a play party or saw a dungeon or, yeah, some of the, some of maybe some of the core memories that stick out to you. Yeah, you know what's wild? I didn't step foot in a dungeon until I started pro-doming. Okay. Um, and doing it professionally. I Before that, it was always in, um, like, people's homes, right? Like, mm -hmm. where people usually play. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the core memories I have about the dungeon is the first time holding a flogger and not knowing the sub really because it was a it was a like impact play party at mm. the first dungeon that I was uh, interested in in Bushwick and I ended up cool. working there a little bit um, and realizing like he's fully submitting and there's like a sort of intensity in the fact that we don't quite know each other mm. and that like mystery of it sure and i see him submit anyway that that was very electrifying like sure. the moment my flogger hit him and <laughs> being like wow and the trust this like, the trust, trust yeah and yeah. and having all of these like friends and women around me playing with me it was a really like fun night totally yeah in hindsight now that I have gone to a lot more play parties is it wasn't the most well organized one but <laughs> like there was something sure. about the the messiness and mm. how spontaneous it kind of came together yeah that that's really wonderful totally I feel like there's like an imprint with um the first kind of play party or memory like uh, there's mm -hmm. just something really beautiful about it seeing everyone 
open up and um yeah like I'll never forget my first <laughs> my what first was your experience. first um, I've talked about it on here a little bit before. My friend, uh, Leola, who was on the podcast, she facilitated an event at my friend's house that wasn't actually a sex play party. It was um, Shabari, and it was actually where I met uh, the woman who tied me up last night, Azrael Black Wolf, who will be on the podcast next month. And they co-facilitated this Shabari event where we were just kind of pairing up and doing exercises with each other. And it was very erotic, but not, they didn't want penetrative sex at the party, mm -hmm. which was just a really cool, actually safe boundary for my first experience right. um, of not feeling like pressured in any way. And it was just facilitated really, really well. Mm -hmm. um, and I love when facilitators or hosts kind of give like the rundown of how they do things and kind of like the boundaries and the communication they like in those, in those settings. Um, but yeah, it was just like one of those nights that I'll never, I'll never forget. <laughs> yeah. One of the reasons I really liked BDSM and kink too, was also the ability to experience sexuality without penetrative acts yes. and yes. eroticizing barriers, right? Like mm -hmm. I, I like latex because it's a way to feel a person yeah. while being fully protected mm. and having that distance sure. and playing with like distance and intimacy back you and forth. being in latex or them both both yeah. sometimes me sometimes them sometimes both yeah i i totally get what you mean it's it's i dated a lot very casually before i found kink and bdsm and it was like always just the default assumption that there would be penetrative sex mm -hmm. and there's honestly a deeper connection and intimacy I find when there's not like it's it's erotic and it's connective and like even my shibari session last night I was like this is TMI but I have a sex podcast I don't know I went to the bathroom <laughs> and I was like oh I'm, I'm wet like after this experience but I wasn't inherently turned on in the moment yeah but like the sensations and the safety and we just have a, a beautiful connection and um <laughs> I'm still integrating that. did you yeah. were there uh any videos of it or was it just a private moment? there were photos um funny story i have a film camera i love film photography um and i actually think i'm gonna take the handle uh kink film atx if you ever want to take any photos oh yes <laughs> um, please, absolutely before you leave so i love taking film photos i brought my film camera and we after our session when I was kind of like coming down she was taking photos and and then I started telling her how to take photos on my film camera mm -hmm. the most I cannot even tell you what these shots would look like so fucking gorgeous I get home no film in the camera forgot to put a roll in so oh it's just no. like <laughs> I, I messaged her and because a lot of our session we were also talking about like some shame that I have and so I've sent her a little voice note when I got home and I was like, you know, like I'm trying to not go into shame or embarrassment here because I really wanted to share these photos with you but It'll just live in our minds forever. <laughs> I think that's really beautiful. <laughs> like the, the memory of it crystallizing. And uh, I think when things are not documented, it kind of forces you to have to reflect and kind of polish the memory yes. by remembering it, by journaling about it, by sh sharing yeah. it with people so that it lasts. That's beautiful. Yeah. So when you first were first exploring, like messaging people anonymously, were you feeling more, have you always been more dominant? Or are you switchy or were you more subby when you started or? I think I always need an element of um, being uh, in control or in power. So yeah. I, I explored the whole spectrum of it. Yeah. And I, I definitely am switchy, but when I, it's not subbing. I think subbing is incredibly like intimate for me. So I only mm. leave that for like a like, lifestyle romantic partner sure um and that's i think that's going to be a serious partner yeah um but like power bottoming you know tell me more do. tell me more about that because i think i i don't know if topping or yeah topping from the bottom is like that is that like a derogatory term like it does it kind of have the in like that you're trying to be too controlling i think it, in the pro dom space that has a derogatory connotation to it mm -hmm. but a but power I bottom is a little different I, I i understand where they're coming from though yeah you know <laughs> like power bottomy is basically a pillow princess with a lot of requirements that okay. they want met yeah and i 
I'm okay working with people like that, actually. Sure. Um, that kind of puts me in a space of being a service top. And mm. I think I have a degree of flexibility where that can also be very fun. Yeah. Um, and I don't mind it. Yeah. <laughs> um, what I've learned about myself is s- like somewhat similar. Like I feel now, like I was only submissive for a very long time in the bedroom. And then I realized a lot of that was conditioning um, in terms of like people pleasing and wanting to please a man Mm. for validation. And I started leaning into more switchy stuff recently and it was so empowering. Like it feels like one of the most exhilarating things like towards the patriarchy to like switch this narrative of being submissive and not using my voice and like not sharing my true thoughts to a man it's it's healing I guess is what I'm getting at yeah to I lean think, into that yeah a lot of people uh do find uh dominance to be a really great avenue of exploring yeah like having a voice in yeah. in any kind of capacity I mean I was the first time I sent a slightly dominant text to a man that we were playing around with some stuff with I was like what like I felt scared like it, it, it was interesting scared I was nervous to to fuck it up to be too dominant to offend a man like I don't know it was just a lot of internalized shit coming yeah, up yeah yeah um, I say let him be offended <laughs> <laughs> working on it <laughs> um and it was actually a really interesting lesson because his phone got stolen that night. And so I literally never heard from him again <laughs> so, uh-huh. or until more recently. And I was like, oh, he found you. He, yeah, we reconnected. And but I was like, I thought that I had been too much mm. and that he didn't want to talk to me anymore. Um, but anyways, I have just found exploring both sides to be really healing. And I, f- I feel like I kind of have like a slightly different type for each, mm. um, which is interesting. But um, so what what inspired you to explore the pro the pro dom world and what did that journey look like? Yeah, I think um, what happened was I was playing in a lifestyle capacity and a lot of my As a dom, like you. Were yes. And uh, a lot of my subs just ended up gifting, right? Mm -hmm. Or tributing and offering things as sacrifice. And then I realized over (laughs) time, really, that uh, I, you know, in terms of time allocation, I would, you know, prioritize subs who give that extra effort, give that extra energy. (laughs) And at a certain point, I just realized, I think this is, you know, if I go pro, I can really set those boundaries and set my really like carve out my time in that way and I also just really wanted to explore the world I wanted to meet people that otherwise would never meet um in a lifestyle capacity right I think there's a bit of like self-selection that happens when it's a more it's in a more dating space and in the pro space especially in the dungeon Mm. um when I was starting off right you would get just uh, same day calls you would be in a dungeon for you have certain hours and certain uh, slots for where you have to be there um and you just have to like think on your feet Mm. work on your feet now that i'm independent the structure is very different right i have an intake form they schedule ahead of time uh there's very specific slots for them yeah and they have to fit into my life but Mm. when i when i was first starting the randomness of like who would come through the door was (laughs) was what i wanted to experience sure so you were you would go to the dungeon for a certain amount of hours like you had a shift and then you would work with anybody that came in uh, yes, yeah, if they requested me. Okay. And uh, different dungeons do it differently, but at the dungeon I was um, in, uh, what would happen was they would call in, usually people ask, oh, who's um, available right now with, mm-hmm. you know, in the next like hour or two hours. Um, if they were a little bit more considerate, they would, it would be a f- several hours ahead of time. <laughs> um, and was, we would, yes. Was there arousal with that? Like they were horny then and there and wanted to call and come in? I think there was for me. Okay. Yeah. The fact that it's like, oh, they they need a really bad right now. Yes. And that's also why even though I it's hard to fit in same day sessions for me, um, I still leave that as an option. It almost mm. never happens anymore because people book sometimes months ahead of time. I have someone booked for wow. January. Fuck um, yes. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I like the I like the tension of the, the like, needy, yes. like, oh I need a two day, please. Mm-hmm. And I have upcharges for that now, but sure, at the time, sure. At the time, it was you know 
you, you didn't really know like who you're going to get for the day. Um, it's higher risk, but that's why it's in a dungeon setting. Mm-hmm. And I felt safer well with other women around. Was there mm-hmm. somebody else in the room with you? Um, so the dungeon was in sort of like a house setting. So there's, there's not another person in the room. It was set up so that a person could walk in. Um, they would only be greeted by me and you, there's a hallway and then we go into like one of the, uh, like side rooms. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And, (laughs) (laughs) and the, uh, the other woman would be sort of like one or two rooms down to, to sort of like the left side and that was the communal space okay um it reminds me a little bit of like strip clubs where there's a place where everyone gets ready right and sets up we after session you know i would go back and we could gossip about <laughs> the sub yeah. it was a lot of fun or you know if there's someone that seems difficult we would all mm. sort of talk about it together we can like brainstorm a session um, and it's really good for i wanted to start in dungeon because i wanted to experience um that mentorship yeah. and being in community yeah. with other women yeah, and so seeing beautiful. how they work, um, figuring out my own style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would you say your, your own style is comparatively? I, I'm, I feel like I oscillate between a lot of different like modalities. Mm. I tend to be a more sensual dom. Okay. Um, I, I like sadism. I really like <laughs> anything that I can, uh, do to a sub where I can push their buttons and figure yeah. out what ticks, what doesn't tick, uh, what in in which ways I can sort of gain the most power in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I want to also, you know, clarify that the majority of my subs, like ninety nine, I know right now a hundred percent of them are men. Okay. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. I think because my look, uh-huh. uh, I would love to have like female and more queer mm. uh clients but mm-hmm. 100% of them right now are okay. are men. Are you yeah. queer? I'm bi, yeah. And I I'm I really love like the New York uh queer kinky scene. Mm. The overlap is mm-hmm. almost 100%. Sure. Okay, well, she's taking applications <laughs> for kinky women subs, please. <laughs> um yeah, something that I've explored and most of my playing into my dom more like mommy dom energy is what i would say i have mm. um love a good mommy dom. yes uh-huh. i'm like i love nurturing and something about it is i've explored it mostly with substantially younger men mm. like men in their early 20s mid 20s um there's something about that like maternal nurturing energy as well as like assertive n- that that just feels very natural for me you're so nice um, <laughs> <laughs> like i don't really want to i don't i don't like inflicting pain like I'm not a sadist I like I like receiving it but um where was I going with all this I just got really excited thinking about all of these guys but <laughs> what I found is that like I really like orgasm control so mm, and kind of like you were talking about the eagerness and the energy for a guy to be like I need to see you today I found that like guys get really like subby and needy and like i i need this if there is orgasm control Mm -hmm. and it's just it's really fun (laughs) i agree this is that's the same reason why i like chastity and like long Mm. edging gooning you know gooning Gooning is when a guy it's this is like a new internet term that came up okay a gooning is like usually when a guy watches like porn for a very long time and they get into like it's called goon space like no thoughts just horny okay (laughs) ferociously horny yeah and like not letting them come not letting them come like and they were like goon away that's (laughs) that's (laughs) edge for a long time a goon for a long time what's goon away like it's just like Goonie always just like they're, they're, they're losing mm. they're losing brain cells doing <laughs> like horny to the point where they're losing brain cells. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean when I had a very experienced dom and I was submissive, and when I've played with men and they've been submissive, it's like it's hard to it's hard to articulate and explain to people watching or listening that haven't experienced it because there is so much for me. Um, like relief and surrender and like this just beautiful subspace of presence. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side with being more dominant, it's like, I feel like this mentor in a way. So like I've been, you know, pretty kinky and slutty for a long time. And it's like to be able to connect with these younger guys and like teach them or like give them the best blowjob they've ever had Mm -hmm. or like do these things and kind of rock their world and teach them how to be a good 
dom or a good sub. It's just it's just fun. Yeah. I'm getting all warm and plush. Right <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like uh, this has a very spiritual component for you that mm. you really enjoy. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I've never thought about it that way, but um, yes. Yeah, I mean, I really struggle with being present. Um, I have what I would say is pretty severe ADHD and something about uh, putting the phone away, putting all the devices away and like really being present with somebody, whichever space I'm holding is really just feels so refreshing for me Mm -hmm. in a world of a lot of distraction. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Did you ever have anything? uh, Did you ever have unpleasant experiences at the dungeon when people, when things weren't as, um, I guess when the people weren't audited or what vetted, vetted as much. Yeah. Um, we would try to vet people as much as possible. Does that um, include ID? Like sending in somebody's ID? Yeah. Some people would not send ID though. Yeah. Um, what if it makes it out to the, yeah, they always worry about that. Even <laughs> though like it never happens, it's always more dangerous on the, uh, workers end. Mm-hmm. Um, I am pl- unpleasant experiences. I think, (laughs) yeah, I think when I was starting off and I was learning how to navigate different types of people and different types of kings and how they all interact, um, I don't think it was uncomfortable in the sense that, like, my boundaries were ever crossed because I've always been pretty, like, certain about, like, what I Mm. want to do and what I don't want to do. Um, But it would get really difficult sometimes when um, the act of play becomes more significant than just play, right? Like they're using that space as an extension of something that they're going through in life. Mm. And that level of emotional labor, when I was just starting off, I, uh, the learning curve for it was very high. Sure. Um, For also like not internalizing all of those things that people are processing or... I don't know if I internalized any of it, but just knowing how, like, what to say, you know, how to act. Am I supposed to, should I be warmer now? Should I be colder mm. now? You know, and it's, it's, it's really, I had to, like, get really good at reading someone within the first, like, five to ten minutes of them totally. being in the room. And knowing, and also understanding that sometimes the things that they say that they want is not what they want. They think they want this, but they right. want something else. Or they think they want this and they're not ready for it. Mm. All of that sort of intuitive, like, emotional assessment was was a, a big learning curve. Um, sure. Especially sounds, when, yeah. prior to that, I, I did interact with people on this kind of basis um, in this capacity and at a higher volume, too. Like, right. having to go into an intense situation and then learn how to decompress fast for the next person and like over and over and over um that was i think probably the hardest part of the work now starting sure that 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 was very well said today's episode of sex talk radio is sponsored by the hud app hud offers an alternative approach to commitment free dating and is geared towards supporting women and exploring their sexuality and intimacy in a safe way through conversations around consent healthy communication and boundary setting HUD was the first to roll out safety features like auto blur photos and video chat capabilities. I've been using the app for a little while now, and personally, my favorite feature is the bedroom feature, where I can see a glimpse into somebody's bedroom desires. So for example, it will literally say Thea's bedroom, and then BDSM, bondage, dirty talk, impact play, etc., which makes it that much easier to assess your sexual compatibility with someone. HUD is really future forward in how they're evolving their app and I'm excited to continue using it for casual dating. Go to hudapp.com slash sextalk, that's H-U-D-A-P-P dot com slash S-E-G-G-S talk for a week on me. A quick note, the HUD app is available for both iOS and Android and is available to users over 18. Um, and I think that I've heard other professionals say like, yeah, you, you end up knowing somebody much better than they do in that capacity, especially mm-hmm. if they're newer to working with with a sex worker or with a pro dom like it's um yeah you're going to you're going to you you you're the one that has all the experience of uncovering the things yeah um i i like to keep in mind and part the reason why i don't internalize uh what happens 
um, when I get into longer DS relationships or longer um, uh, dom-sub interactions with subs, then mm-hmm. when some of these interpersonal things come into play, then that gets a little bit more, like I'm, I may see as a reflection of myself in some ways. But when I was starting off, I didn't internalize a lot because I very quickly realized for a lot of um, the subs, they when they're like reaching for me, they're sometimes not reaching for me. They're reaching for mm. sometimes an ex-girlfriend mm. or a door or like a window or like a bottle or, you know, they're reaching for themselves. They just want me to be an extension of themselves or they're reaching for their mother or their father. I become mm. sort of a vessel that has to become really good at that sort of representation um and so it's not internalized because it's sure you're you're a facet i'm like dialing up a facet i have to learn how to emotionally isolate certain feelings that they're having Mm. dial it up dial it down play around with it twist it turn it upside down put them back together (laughs) (laughs) lots of metaphors so you're saying you're able to kind of keep these emotional and energetic boundaries because you know that what's happening is like an extension of something else potentially or a processing of something else. Yeah, it sometimes is. Um, and other times it's, you know, they when they have, it really depends person on person, but a lot of times, yeah, that is what it is. Yeah. So what kind of conversations do you have, like if it's somebody's first time working with a pro-dom? Like, do you talk about what to expect? And maybe you could just share with the viewers and listeners, because I think I have a decent understanding of what might happen, but other people might not know. They might think there's sex, like they don't. Yeah, I'd love you to kind of set the scene. Yeah, absolutely. So if you are going to a dungeon, usually there's a dungeon website. You'll see a list of doms there and sometimes there's a schedule for shifts if there's no schedule for shifts and you want to see a specific person you can call in and see when that person is available um if you don't really care who you're seeing you just care more about the skills that they have if you want Mm. to do bondage or pegging or um complicated medical play Mm. usually they have a list of um fetishes that and kinks that they're interested in and provide Cool. And if there's not that, also call in and ask who's good at this, who's experienced at this, and uh, use your judgment to gauge if they actually have experience with it, especially if it's um, higher risk play. Mm-hmm. Um, deposit, if the dungeon requires a deposit. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, deposit, if the dungeon okay. requires a deposit. Could you, te- you, could you talk about the financial element? Like how much was a session at? At the dungeon and stuff yes like so when i was starting at the dungeon it was 250 an hour okay um and it would scale depending on different fetishes mm-hmm. so uh easier fetishes would i think would be 250 if it's more complicated or there's a complicated wardrobe request there's usually up charges to a 50 dollars to a hundred dollars and this was at the dungeon for an hour for an hour mm-hmm. yeah and at the dungeon too they gave a discount for two hours for some reason mm-hmm. at the place where sure. i was working at stick um, around yeah, uh, tips are really important in dungeons okay. because dungeons PSA. take a big cut. The when I was starting out, they took a sixty percent cut. Wow. Yeah. So an hour of your time would only be like a hundred and yeah, which was at the time way better than anything I've you know could dream vanilla of. Vanilla job. Yeah, <laughs> way better than any vanilla job. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still a big cut, and I would always really appreciate the subs who understood that and would sure. tip to make sure like this is your money. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so if the dungeon requires a deposit, make sure you send in a deposit to confirm a time and slot. Uh, if they don't require a deposit, then you know come with cash ready and make sure that you are clean. So you're washed, you know, mm. you're make sure that it's like a good experience for the the person like don't come sweaty after the gym unless that's part of the session (laughs) are there notes of this like in like a confirmation email or like i mean i feel like people just really don't know a lot of basic uh yeah now um for my 
for my now my my assistant sends out confirmation emails detailing like what I'm looking for and what I want. Cool. Um, at the dungeon though, at the time there wasn't any confirmation emails. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah just hopefully just, you shower. <laughs> yeah, and we there's a shower in the dungeon too. Oh, so cool. if the dom tells you to shower, yeah. make hey, sure you, you shower. Go. It's because You're she a stinky boy. Go yeah, shower. It's not pleasant. <laughs> not pleasant. <laughs> oh my god. Um, when you arrive, uh, you know, pay upfront. Instead of waiting until the very end, uh, sure. it's a lot easier if she doesn't ask, right? Kind of ruins the mood of you. She has to like ask for a payment and then Definitely. have to like count it in front of you, whatever. Like that. Yes. I think that kind of like takes you away from the moment. Sure. Make sure it's accurate. Make sure you know you give it ahead of time. Um, if you want her to be in a good mood, uh, you can bring a gift or of, mm. of some kind. Butter it up. Always nice <laughs> to receive <laughs> gifts. And when the time is up, you just leave, say thank you, be very polite, and head on your way. <laughs> yeah, don't overlinger. Some sure. people overlinger, and attachment can really be formed with dom sub dynamics. Like yes. an attachment can be formed where it's it's hard to say bye or yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, if you want an extension, just be very upfront about the extension instead of overlingering, and then uh, the dom having to bring up, oh, do you want an extension? And then having right. to negotiate that potentially is also it just takes especially takes when someone's in kind of an altered space or kind of a sub subspace. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, um, so that's the dungeon format. Okay. For independents like me, um, there's ad sites where we sometimes are on. I'm not on any mm. ad sites right now. I'm just on Twitter. Um, that's where I primarily am, and I think I have a good stable of subs right now where I don't <laughs> need to advertise that hard. Uh, we have a website, you know, make sure the website is legitimate, make sure that she's in community so you don't get scammed. Just use your discernment about that. Do your mm. research. If she has interviews, uh, you know, read her interviews, watch her interviews. Um, but don't do that so much so that it mm. makes the initial interaction awkward because there's nothing to talk about. Like it's too one-sided. The information gap is too one-sided. Oh, interesting. Um, do the intake form properly. Uh, send the depos deposit up front. And for independence, we, you know, depending on if we have an assistant and our time and schedule, we can probably, you know, fit you in um, within the next two weeks or so, depending yeah. on the schedule. So you said you're stable of subs. Are they all paying? Do you have any subs that you are not doing paid they're work all, with? No, they're all paying. Even okay. in the lifestyle capacity, they... Sure, lifestyle capacity. I think they, they understand that right now, in order for me to um, make my time worthwhile, it's it's going to be, you know, there some form of compensation is sure. important. And to be honest, I have a lot of wonderful subs who are paying. Totally. And it's, totally. it's sort of like this feeling of, why would I go back to doing this for free <laughs> when yeah. I can get everything I want? And yeah. some more. <laughs> yeah. I I am curious about, I haven't thought too much about it, but in this specific moment, I'm like, I would like to monetize this <laughs> because it, it's a lot of emotional labor and communication. And I find that with like the nurturing mommy dom, like I like to talk to these guys every day. Um, mm -hmm. But yes, being paid would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I I mean, if you're a mommy dom to them, you know, there's ways to play around with the, the financial aspect. Sure, right? sure. Like, um... Like they like a little lemonade stand. Like the oh little gosh. boy needs to like do a whatever for you, right? Like earn, earn some. Uh, well, so for my mom and Tom, there's not necessarily like age play. Okay. Really, it's um, it's just more of like the nurturing energy, I guess. Got like daddy it. doms I've had. Like Got with it. daddy doms I've had, there hasn't been an age play necessarily. Uh huh. Um, but yeah. But I think that there's ways that I could do it that would feel better than like this amount of money for this amount of time. Like, you mm -hmm. know, I like gifts. But yeah, I'll definitely think about that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I know some other doms where, uh, you know, there's packages for for mm. people. And I'll just price it out like my business coaching packages. One month with me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or where they you can say something like a tribute an amount that you feel mm -hmm. like. Uh, accurately represents what I mean in your life. Wow. Right? That's beautiful. And, and I like the word tribute. That feels good. Yeah, like work within your limits, your, your finances, and mm. um, I just want to know that you value me in this way, and 
uh, this is what, and also letting them know this is what you're supporting. You're supporting this podcast. You're supporting this meal I'm going to have. You're supporting this night out with friends, right? Having like really yeah. specific things that they're contributing to your life. And it makes it so much more human and connected yeah. than for this amount of time or pay for meat or whatever it might be. Yeah. 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 I like that. Hmm. Well, time to go back to the drawing board. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking a little, uh, taking a little bit of a hiatus from all the, all the dating at the moment, but, <laughs> mm. um, so when you're talking to a new sub, um, and let's say they're not super experienced, would you have a conversation about uh, safe words and like what to expect? And if you feel this way, let's talk or how to pause a scene, yes. that kind of stuff? If they're new, they're inexperienced, I, in general, my first sessions with subs is, mm. they t it tends to be on the gentler side because I know how intense I can get. <laughs> so lots of talking, uh, safe words, negotiating, like what that looks like. I, you know, review their kinks and fetishes in the psychological headspace. Mm. I talk to them a little bit, get to know where they're coming from, who they That's are, great. what they like to do for fun, things like that, and yeah. um, establish some level of like emotional comfort. And then we can jump into the scene yeah. and, you know, dive into it and then dive out of it. Yeah, you can go farther when there's that human connection and that that trust built up. Yeah, and it sure. feels better for me. I yeah. uh, I think there w the time and place for that sort of dungeon setting of like people, the anonymous people coming in, that was really exciting. It was really fun. Right now, the place I'm at is having a level of connectedness with certain subs. Mm -hmm. Not all of them. Some of them, I'm like, I don't want to be connected to you. You're just a piece of meat. <laughs> and we know this and we've established this. And that's it. <laughs> How many of your subs are in person versus do you have digital relationships? Yes, I have digital subs too. So I'm expanding my digital uh, persona, my digital self a lot more nowadays. Yeah. And so I have an OnlyFans. I have a loyal fans. Um, and on my OnlyFans, there's quite an overlap actually between um, digital subs and in mm. person. A lot of them have seen me in person and uh, want to keep connected and sure. uh, play a little bit online. So they're on my OnlyFans to do so. And I have some guys who are just, you know, digital only. I don't think they want to break into the in-person real space. They want to mm -hmm. keep it as a fantasy. Mm. And that's a lot of, you know, fun fodder for me to sure. play around with too. <laughs> yeah. When we chat, oh, go ahead. Oh, I also want to mention, if you see Doms in person and they also have a digital site, do not talk about in-person things on their digital sites. It will get us banned and it will get us deplatformed. So please. Sites. Oh, yeah. you mean on like Instagram? On Instagram, on Twitter, on OnlyFans, even on OnlyFans, don't talk about sessions, don't talk about anything oh, in person. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, keep yes. it digital only. Yes. Because, yeah, and I've been doing a lot of research lately on the regs of all of these platforms because I'm interested in getting into the space and um, like the sex tech space. And yeah, OnlyFans is like this this very tedious safe haven of like how everything is done. So if you're insinuating, hey, you paid me five hundred dollars for that session in person, that becomes right prostitution, and it's right. Yeah, right? Uh, it depends on uh, it depends on your state and mm. sometimes the borough. So in wow. New York, Manhattan is partially decriminalized, but Queens is not. Oh, partially decriminalized for sex work. Yes. For uh, all forms of sex work. So um, nobody could get arrested? Uh, well, it's partially decriminalized. So it's uh, functioning mm. under the Nordic model, which means uh, right now, if you're doing in-person work, clients could be prosecuted, but the worker uh, would wow. not be. Um, and this tables is, flipped. <laughs> yeah, and wow. this is the, uh, the DA was vocal about um, uh, their stance on that. Mm -hmm. Although it sounds good in theory, but if you criminalize everything around the sex worker you're de facto criminalizing the sex worker totally. themselves right and yeah. as w while that seems like a step forward i think it's really important to m make sure that you know uh the the ways we screen is also protected right so if mm -hmm. clients are continue to be criminalized there's a less likelihood they're willing to send ids for screening totally. jobs for totally. screening and provide that because now yes. we kind of have the upper hand in outing them in ways where we're not mm. we're, we can't be held accountable for um so i i think full decriminalization is definitely necessary for any sort of safe path forward 
Definitely. I yeah, I agree. What's the what's the logic of the client could be crim- be, be persecuted? Uh yeah, on, I think on the legal and policy end, a lot of the um lawmakers who push for the Nordic model have not had experience in the industry. So in their minds, right, oftentimes clients are aggressive and uh, unsafe and they see uh, clients oftentimes as uh, usually like bad men or even pimps that are exploiting women, which they exist, right? Right. But that um, is a minority in my experience and those types of cases, it's close to trafficking than sex work. It's, you know. Right. Yeah. So, but it wouldn't be that a man could get, um, or the client could get persecuted for if they do something aggressive or illegal. It, they could just be, uh, they could be arrested for just having been a client. Yes. Which totally makes it, why would they ever want to send in an ID or yes. verify, which is actually the pathway to making it safe for a sex worker? Yeah, the, the term is uh, soliciting prostitution. Okay. Um, that's the that's what they would be criminalized under. It's just so backwards. Like I, I've been seeing. So do you take IDs or do you have your assistant take IDs? Mm. For ID verification, I look at all of those myself when they're sent in. OK, um, for people who don't want to send it in, you know, I require a digital consultation mm. so that they can at least like flash your ID or show it to me. Um, if there's some, to be honest, like there's been cases where like they absolutely can't send ID and then once I got to know them, um, mm-hmm. I could understand why, but they mm-hmm. went through other sure. forms of verification, like sure. work or we went on a consultation and they're like, I really can't have any footprint. Mm-hmm. Um, he, we can sign like some legal forms to make sure there's an NDA, whatever. Um, and that's just, you know, make sure it's right. fully anonymous. But if they have like a, a big job or uh, they're kind of closeted or whatever it might be, like, it, yeah, it puts them in a really tricky spot of wanting you to feel safe, but not wanting to be potentially arrested or outed or, yeah, there's a lot there. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really important to find workers who are. Right, ethical and what they do, you know that they won't blackmail you or film the session or do anything that jeopardizes your life. Yeah. Um, and you know, have discernment on who who you meet, and mm-hmm. that's what consultations are for to make sure right. there's chemistry and that it's safe, and <laughs> you can talk about all of that. I had someone tell me they had a blackmail fetish over an app, and I was like, I don't know, I'm not qualified to handle this. I love blackmail fetishes, though. <laughs> I'll pass them along to you, because yes. my inner good girl can't handle You that. are such a good girl. You're very wholesome. Yeah. Wholesome mommy. <laughs> wholesome and not, but um, yeah, when I was messaging with this person, I was like, I would love a big chunk of money, but like, I don't, I just don't know how to navigate. It's like, it feels like an advanced kink. It feels like there are some kinks that are just like, yeah, you gotta practice. <laughs> yeah, you can dip your toes into it. Yeah, see how I feel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you mentioned Berlin earlier. Mm-hmm. Would love to talk about that. I did not know about the club that you mentioned specifically, but I do have some friends that went that literally had like their minds blown by some of the sex clubs that they went to and yeah. like extended their trip. And now I really want to go. I want to make it like a work trip. Like I want to interview people and like go to sex clubs in the red dis- red light district and. Um, well, that would be in Amsterdam, but they have one in Berlin, I'm assuming, as well. I've never been to the one in Berlin. I know that sex work is licensed there, right? Mm. I believe so. I think so. Yeah. In Berlin or in In Berlin. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, Berghain was a lot of fun when I went last year. Yes. Uh, Ask, actually, tell us more. I backstory so here. <laughs> last year in October, I was in Berlin for the closing of like one of the biggest and oldest dungeons in the closing. Yeah, the closing in Germany. Oh. So uh, sad or no? It it was sad, but it was a beautiful huh. party and Why did play it party close? that night. I think the woman who was running it just didn't want to maintain that space anymore. Okay. So um, this dungeon was a like manor by the lake, mm. and so they also owned the lake. Whoa. And you could do Beautiful. like drowning sessions, but you can kayak people out, 
and like do a little drowning or kidnapping or whatever. There's an outside stable and then you can bring horses in. And inside there's a, there's space for subs to stay overnight or for you to stay overnight. Mm. There's a kitchen, there's a medical room, wow. a classroom, um, and a really big like play living space area. A lot of different scenes and like environments. Mm-hmm. But the best wow. part is they have an underground prison system that is like fully soundproof (laughs) and it uh, it was a little bit of a fire hazard too to be honest (laughs) very low ceilings you know there's a little some wires it added to the ambiance sure um there's prison cells on the side and my favorite part was they had a sensory deprivation um not a room it was just on the ground there's a there's like a trap door. Uh-huh. You open it and it's fully pitch black. Whoa. The only thing in the sensory depth room is a emergency button for you to get out. Holy Like shit. that's the only thing in there. And you can just be stuck there, trapped there. Um, and yeah. But you weren't able to do any sessions there because it was you went for the closing? Uh, we It was a play party. So there mm. was a few doms that brought uh, their uh, subs or personal subs. And so I did wow. play a little bit. Um, yeah. Mistress, oh, what's her full name? Mistress Firewolf was there with her German sub. And uh, I did a little whipping underground. And I also bottomed for Empress Wu um, that night, too. Okay. I don't know who some of these people are. Empress Wu is a wonderful dom in uh, (laughs) New York. So I I played, I allowed myself to bottom for her that night. (laughs) Beautiful. Beautiful. Wow. Yeah, I would really like to go there. I mean, I think uh, one of the main questions that I get for people from people is like, how do I meet these people? Get into these spaces? Get into these scenes when I have no foot in the door? Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like many of these parties are invite only, and I mean, my advice is to just kind of start somewhere. Um, go on a date with somebody from Field that has more experience than you. Go to a munch from FetLife. But like, what would you? What would your advice be? I think the easiest way would probably be um, trying, you know, going to a public party. Like there's mm. Torture Garden. You can just buy tickets to. And right? where's that? Uh, it, they host Torture Garden in London, L.A., mm. New York, and oh, wow. uh, also in other in Berlin, too. Yeah. And um, that's a pretty big fetish party. Um, I think there's always some kind of local munches happening in in cities that sometimes on life that you can you can see mm-hmm. um, following doms on our social media so that yeah. you're up to date on the most you know upcoming party that might be public for you is you know pretty cool and mm-hmm. if you have the means to you can mm-hmm. just hire a dom to do a social outing just to talk for an hour mm. or like go for a meal for yes, tea time that's a good idea and just you know pick her brain yeah that's mm-hmm. a great idea um, so you mentioned at one point that you were more anonymous in this part of your life until recently. Um, yeah. can you share what that means and what that transition was? Yeah. So, uh, when I was working in the dungeon from 20, I started November, 2019 and then COVID happened in 2020. I was oh. face in the entire time I was face in. So that means I, okay. uh, blurred my face um, on like the dungeon website. On the dungeon was everywhere. But I you had the social presence as well with a blurred face? With a blurred face. Oh. Yeah, I just had a censored face okay. um, on social. That kind of makes it more exciting for some subs, I'm sure. For like, some subs, <laughs> yes. And for other subs, they don't know if they want to commit to a, a person they might not, you know, be attracted to mm-hmm. um, after the face reveal. Uh, and I didn't go face out until last year. Okay. Uh, because <laughs> I wanted to do more digital work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was you were you were doing in person work, and and what kind of social media photos did you have? Like you were were you making OnlyFans content without your face or not? No, yet? I was only in person. I never expected to go digital. Okay. Um, I only really thought about it in 2020, and I yeah, when the world shut yeah, down. Yeah. Uh, in 2020, I w- I started thinking about it and wanted to do more of it. Um, and uh, but I was facing I w- I my day job at the time i want it wasn't at a place where i felt secure mm. enough to be face out yet sure. and now i'm at a place where um it, it wouldn't be jeopardized yeah. at all yeah <laughs> very cool um were you nervous to do that or 
I knew that I was going to do it. I think if I was nervous about it, it would have been that I was not ready for it yet. Mm. And Amen. when <laughs> I, I remember I was taking a class by Alexandra Snow and she was talking about digital content back in 2020. Mm. And I asked, uh, this was before Al Alex and I were friends. She, I asked a question. I was like, is it possible to make digital content face in? And she said, and this is a little bit provocative. She said, if you're not ready to be face out as mm. a sex worker, you probably are not ready to be like a sex worker. Sure. You know, because yeah, that shows a degree of like fear and s uh, fear of stigma, mm -hmm. being stigmatized that you're not ready for, but you're already, you're, you are going to experience it. Right. And so you have to sort of go all the way. And I, that like when she said that I really stuck with me and it really challenged why I was facing you know what kind of things do I feel are uh going to be put in jeopardy you know um it really made me think about the importance of being out as a sex worker and be able to um be someone that can uh, feel secure in in the work that I'm doing and Definitely. who I am in this identity. So I I think last year I was I was ready to do it. Cool. Mm -hmm. Have you come up against anything with family or relatives or friends? Um, everyone who I care about and who is close and important to me knows what I do. Okay. Yeah. And it was also a slow sort of progression there too. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I. Like in 2020, I there was like a small group and it just kind of, you know, got bigger and bigger. And um, I I want to like try to normalize that as much as possible Definitely. that like we're part of your community and there's sex workers in everyone's lives. Just not everyone talks about mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Definitely, yeah. It's um, it can be challenging. I've explored or experienced a bit of that recently with family member. Just um, I think it brings up a lot of stuff it can bring up a lot of their own stuff, their mm -hmm. own baggage and their own stuff around sex. Yeah. And and also worry, concern for your child or yes. relative. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, what we're doing is super important. <laughs> yeah. And I, I understand where they're coming from and that fear and concern. Um, I think sex work wasn't this... I think the current iteration there's mm. there's still issues um around safety for sex work but i think it's becoming a lot more uh manageable it's b it has been become a lot safer and um, i i think for the older generation when they think about sex work they're really thinking about very dangerous situations yes. and like of course if that's your only reference point uh, yeah reference mm -hmm. point or movies where mm -hmm. yeah yeah like of course you would be terrified sure yeah <laughs> um i would love for you to share like a favorite scene of yours or a favorite kink of yours that you like playing with um i think that people that are newer and experienced would love to hear a bit more detail on like a scene or what happens in a dungeon room or a scene my favorite scenes are, they tend to be quite extreme. <laughs> I want to hear them. Okay. Don't, I'm not scared. Yeah. Um, it might seem nice, but don't worry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have so many scenes that are favorite scenes. And not all of them have to be complicated. I think sometimes, like, like, like the session I just came from, yes. a very simple foot worship for someone who's never done it in their life before is wow. like very delicious. That's exciting. This yeah. was in person? Yes, yeah, okay. um, this morning. Yeah. Okay. And he drove two and a half hours to come wow. see me. Yeah. Um, and did he come to, where did you guys have the session? Um, uh, we sessioned at my hotel. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and what does that look like? What does foot worship look like? Well, he, so he's, uh, he, he's been one of my digital subs for a long time. Okay. And excited to I actually, meet you. yeah, exactly. And I actually thought he would never jump to the in-person space. Mm. His, he seemed very comfortable um, just being online and getting sure. his needs met online. Online via communicating on OnlyFans or? We actually primarily use Sext Panther. Okay. Yeah, he preferred that platform more. And Dasha I just told me about that. Yeah, I cool. I don't open my lines on Sext Panther as often. And I, mm -hmm. I want to do at least once a month. But every time I open it, it's just... It, it turns into like a 12-hour day because it's nonstop. Yeah. 
I need to figure out how, <laughs> how I need to open my lines a little bit better. Interesting. Um, but I've, I think I've interacted with him for like a year. Okay. Um, and this is the first time meeting. Yeah. And we, he didn't in the intake form. He didn't talk too much about his personal experiences. Mm. So when we started, I you know wanted to uh, get a sense of his experience level, all of that. And it's he's never done in person mm. for worship before. So we just had a really lovely time with him and are you you're dominant in that in yes. that dynamic yeah okay uh, uh in I, I mean as a pro dom i i am dominant in all my dynamics and i prefer that way yeah it's a lot more fun for me <laughs> yeah definitely um and in a session like this is there touching of genitals is there orgasm like i think that people just have no idea i've heard just very different things from different doms yeah i think every single dom is has different boundaries and lines of what they provide um if you have questions about it you should just ask the dom what they're comfortable with some doms have very little uh physical interaction like they don't really want any i think that's what i've heard is that mm -hmm. in general in these scenes um yeah, they are not nude, there is not sex, and there's generally not orgasm even necessarily. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, a lot of doms do operate that way. Um, I'm on the more sensual side, so I'm comfortable with more like physical interactions mm-hmm. with subs. Um, there's also, for other doms, they provide like kinky escort experiences. So for I kinky see. escorts, they do full service. Gotcha. Um, but it depends on, you know, every individual. And if you're not sure, you should just ask if that's something that um, they provide. And just do it very politely. And I would suggest doing a consultation to ask about that. Mm. Because online, sometimes, um, uh, you know, we're not sure if it's law enforcement or, you know, this sure. is like a blackmail situation. It's always good Oof. to just ask in person or, you know, via consultation in some yeah. way. Wow. Wow. You navigate a lot <laughs> as a pro a, Yeah, there's like a lot to kind of like wheel around. Yes. And um, for me, uh, my level of physical interaction really depends on the chemistry. Okay. So I, you know, I tell them like if it's, it really depends on if I like you enough. And you to get to be empowered in that yeah, exactly. energy of, oh, I, I could see myself doing this. Yeah, and I also, um, the way I play is very uh, personal. So I always let the subs know that, like, if uh, I can feel very comfortable being a lot more physical in one session and then the next, mm. I don't want to do any of that. So get in the s- sleep sack <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, I'm going to suspend you or, you know, like just somewhere far away. Um, and if that's not the headspace that they're in for that kind of play, I'm like, okay, then we can delay it for another month. But right now, I kind of only want to do X, Y, Z. And um, if you're lucky enough to fit into what I want to explore in that moment and what I want to, how I want to experience pleasure, then mm. how fortunate of you. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I think there's something really beautiful in what you just said about, like, I hope that women listening or watching are thinking about how much power it could bring to their lives to, to have this attitude in the bedroom sometimes. Yeah. Um, there can be situations where I think a lot of women where they would like to pause or stop or shift, but it's more of, we'll just let it keep going or it's almost over anyways. Like, mm-hmm. um, and I just think what you just shared could really be taken and used as a, a way for women to really self-advocate for themselves in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not in the mood, you're not in the mood, you know? Yeah. And I think uh, it would you would be surprised by how many... Um, men if they're you know they're sort of emotionally intelligent they've they're okay with that definitely yeah they're not going to take this projection the programming is very much yes people pleasing uh but they're strong enough they'll be fine (laughs) they'll survive (laughs) they can jack off in a corner if they really have to (laughs) um yeah well i really appreciate our chat today um, I would love for you to share a bit of wisdom to maybe a young kinkster or teenage kinkster um, about about 
what they can, not what they can expect in their journey, um, but maybe the beauty it's brought to your life. And mm. uh, also maybe the beauty that being a Dom has brought to your life. Yeah, if you are a young Kingster, depending on, you know, where your interests fall, um, if you're a dominant woman and you know that about yourself, um, I think it's really important to sit with that, understand where, what your needs are, what brings you pleasure, what doesn't bring you pleasure, um, and hold fast to it. Hold fast mm. to, like, that core part of you that makes you you. Um, and know that you'll attract the right people in your life who love you and worship you and you know, feel so lucky to be in your presence and you don't have to settle for less. And mm. it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a dominant woman, but just really any sort of like female presenting individual. Yeah. yeah. And you can live a life that is beyond your wildest imagination when you hold fast to, to, to what m makes you valuable and what you value in people in the world and seeking that out. Mm. And part of an uh, important part of that is knowing how to say no and knowing that when you're saying no um all that is is passing that person on in their interest to someone who will fit them better mm. yeah just holding that fast to that yes not trying to accommodate everyone no yeah, yeah um where can people find you and stay in touch in the world yeah, so I am expanding my digital work a lot more. I'm on Instagram, mxtomi.digital, and on uh, Twitter, mxtomi underscore digital. Great. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you Super for having exciting. me. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Thank you so much for tuning into Sex Talk Radio. I hope you found this conversation to be expansive and fun. Please come connect with me on Instagram at Sex Talk Radio Podcast. That is spelled S-E-G-G-S. And I would love to see you inside of the Sexy Society, which is an online community for kink and sex positive women. Thank you so much.